This is episode number 156 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Everybody, welcome back to Fearless Presentations. I'm Doug Stannard, CEO of the Leaders Institute, and my goal is to help you become a fearless and professional speaker and presenter. On this episode, I'm going to talk about the the Train the Trainer program and how it works. Um, last, this is a follow up to part one, which was last week on what exactly a Train the Trainer process is, and we 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 started covering last week about. How to how to identify whether or not a train the trainer process is really working well and what you look for if you're going to be investing if somebody is is trying to sell you a train the trainer process you know how to test it to see if it's if it's if it's worth investing in and if you're creating a train the trainer process of your own we we started showing you the step by step process to to go through that this week we're going to talk about the skills that are involved. So once you start training other people, what kind of skills do you want to develop in those people to make sure that they're that the the process that you're creating is going to be implemented effectively, you know, with the, once it once it goes to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. So we'll we'll kind of talk about that in a little bit more detail. The uh, podcast is brought to you by fearlesspresentations.com. And um, we still have, I think we've got like one seat left in the March uh, Fearless Presentations, the virtual Fearless Presentations class. And once that seat's gone, it, it, um, there, uh, we won't do another one until May. So um, it, by the way, the May class, you can, you can register for that as well. Also, my books are on Amazon. Uh, the uh, Fearless Presentations obviously was the original. Um, there was a follow-up to that a couple of years later, Mastering Presentations. So if you like the podcast and you want to take your speaking to, a, to the next level, then the Mastering Presentations is a good, good, good way to Kind of invest. You can get that on Amazon, Kindle, um, Audible, just about anywhere. Anywhere books are sold, you can you can find that thing. Um, also, if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, make sure to do that. Check out our YouTube channel. The YouTube channel has we're putting out as many as like three, four, five different uh, videos every single week on on uh, tips, public speaking tips, and it's it's really cool. You can it, just subscribe, ring the little red bell, and. And that may that way you get all of the the new videos as they come out. All right, so let's get on with today's podcast. So last week I finished up by telling a quick little story about the Franklin Covey organization and how they made a huge error in their train the trainer process, and it took them you know the better part of a decade to recover from it. Now they did, and fantastic organization. I'm I'm not saying anything bad about them. But um, but it took them a while. It was one of those things that we can learn from their mistakes, so we don't have to go through that that same pain that that they went through. So there's one final thing that um, I didn't get a chance to cover last week, and to to kind of test whether or not a train the trainer process is really effective. And it's really one of the more vital things. It's a thing that really sets 
the Leaders Institute apart, my company apart from a lot of our competitors, is that we've learned that people learn by doing, right? So they learn by doing, not by listening to a talking head. So um, you want to add some activity and you want to add some application into your train the trainer model. So like, for instance, as I mentioned before, one of the reasons why people just absolutely love attending our presentation classes or virtual classes or leadership programs or team building events is that that we make them fun. I mean, we make Zoom meetings fun. How in the world do you do that, right? Well, one of the ways that we do that is we add a lot of activity. We, we, We add practical application. When people come to one of our training programs, they know they're going to get value because they're actually they've done some they've done that thing that we've te- we've taught them how to do, and so each one of our sessions are are a combination of both content the the content has to be there but also the application you know people learn by doing they don't learn by listening to a talking head drone on for for hours they 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 learn by actually putting the information into to practice. Hearing something is one thing, but actually doing it is a totally different thing. Um, i give you a good example of this. Years ago, I attended a marketing seminar here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where, 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 where my company is based. And the organizers, these guys that created this marketing seminar were fantastic. Uh, they were they They invited us, the participants, the people that were there in the seminar, and I would say there were probably maybe 30 people or so in the, in the, in, I would call it more of a workshop, not a seminar, because we were actually doing a lot of, we were applying a lot of the stuff um, that, that they were teaching us, but they, they invited us to bring our, our marketing pieces with us to the seminar. So basically they would, they encouraged us to like, we, I worked for a really big training company at the time and, and I brought some of the marketing materials that that company had spent I don't know. It had to. Be. They spent a ton of money. I don't know how much they spent on it, but this was really, really effective marketing pieces. And um, and and basically, what these guys did was they taught us how to make that even better. And it was kind of cool. I mean, they 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 basically had us these you know mere amateurs in marketing recreate our marketing pieces while we were right there in in the room. So the, it, it was so practical. The program was so practical because we were actually redesigning items for our, our individual co- companies. We were we there was we could we could see the value in what we were doing because we took it with us when we left. Right. Um, another good example of this was with the uh, the American Red Cross. I, I taught a presentation class for a group of trainers in their their blood bank. So th- this was. These folks were, um, I, I was the trainer who was training the trainer. So basically, this was my train the trainer process. I was trying to teach them how to train more effectively, knowing that I was going to be there for a very short time. They probably weren't going to have me come back. So I, I had, it was kind of one shot. I had to, had to kind of teach them how to, how to be effective trainers. And by the way, the reason why they were asking me, why they hired me, why they, why they had me come out was that these folks that I was training, they were responsible for teaching their, the techs, the people that, that worked in the blood bank. The what they call their SOPs. That was their their acronym for it, standard operating procedures. So basically, there was a standard set of steps that had to be used in order to make sure that the machines were were run properly. And it was a very detailed. I mean, we're talking about three ring binders that had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages and steps and procedures and processes, right? 
well, they had been teaching this for, for years and they were getting really poor results from the training sessions. So um, the technique that they would use, by the way, it took me, you know, 60 seconds to kind of figure out what was wrong with the, with the process, by the way, because the technique that they were using was they would do a half day of classroom training followed by a half day of lab time. So it was a day training program for each one of the machines. And they would spend like three, three and a half hours or so just going through step after step after step. And it was all one way. It was all the person in front of the room speaking the whole time and the other and the people in the audience taking notes. And then they would, the application was three hours, you know, and, and the trainer's going to be walking around to make sure that you don't screw up and that kind of thing. Right. Um, well, one of the suggestions that I made that that helped them out a lot was to spend maybe 10 to 30 minutes of classroom time and then spend 10 to 30 minutes in the lab, right? So do a half hour of, of training time, classroom time, and then give them 30 minutes of application of, of whatever it was that you taught in that 30 minutes. Go let them practice that now in the lab so that they so that it gets honed in. They they people, like I said, people learn by doing. Um, and the, so they did that. And um, and then after they spent 30 minutes in the lab, you know, take a little break and then come back and teach them another 30 minutes in the in the classroom and another 30 minutes in the lab, and then take a break and do it again and do it again and do it again. And they were able to cover so much more content in such an effective way by doing it that way, because it sped up the learning process exponentially. The people that were going through this, this training mechanism that we're going through this, this workshop now got much more value and, and it worked really, really well. Okay. So for the rest of the, the session here, I'm going to talk about the, how you can actually train your trainers using the actual model. So one of the things that I think is surprising to a lot of folks that, that join my company, when folks kind of join the Leaders Institute and become trainers for, for us and start teaching the fearless presentations classes, the, after after you know three or four or five times or so of of going through the process, they're like, "Holy cow, this is exactly what you're teaching people to do in your classes." <laughs> like, well, yeah, we're using our own stuff. It's not, I mean, basically, we're we're using our stuff to to kind of teach people, and that's what you want to do with this train the trainer model as well. So once you create a good model, use that same model to train your trainers, and it will work really really well. So that that last story about the Red Cross is is a it's it it leads us right into the the um the the next part of the session, which is the actual training process. So how do we now train now that we've got the 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 train the trainer model set up. We've got this content created and we have a way to implement this really effectively. How do I now train my trainer so that when I'm not around, they're doing what they're supposed to do and they're doing it really well. So step one is you want to focus on creating, getting people that either have good presentation skills or training your trainers in good presentation skills because they are essential to making this model work. Um, and th by the way, that was one of the big challenges that Franklin Covey had was that um, they were training folks that weren't real speakers, right? They were they were training, they were giving people certifications. And if you're a good trainer already and they give you good content, you'll probably do pretty well. But if you're a terrible speaker, if you're not really good at communicating and you go through a two or three day workshop on how to teach a process, how to teach a class, guess what? You're probably not going to be very good at it. And so, so once you have that great 
course design. Now you want to spend some time actually training your trainers. So step one is to help them develop the good public speaking skills. It's and by the way, public speaking it, it's a skill. Remember, it's it it nobody is born with the natural gift of being a speaker. It's it's a skill, it's something that you develop, it, and it takes time to develop. So, for instance, a lot of times when we help companies create or or revitalize a train the trainer process in their organizations. Uh, a lot of times, this is the place that we start. If you're, if the subject matter experts, if the people that know the content, if if they are confident and they communicate well, then the programs are almost always effective. You know, as long as it's good content and the people speak really well, then you don't have to do a whole lot. It, it typically kind of it just works, right? However, if the if the trainers, if the subject matter experts are really poor communicators. The process will fail pretty much 100% of the time. Right? There's no way to salvage it. It's one of those things that's a, it's a, it's a, a non-negotiable in in the process. Um, and by the way, if you're if if you're in the if you're if you're at this part in your train the trainer process where you're like, okay, I got I got the great content now. How do I find subject matter experts that? that I can use as, as trainers, because just because somebody is good at doing something doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a, a good teacher. Well, um, there, one of the, the posts that I wrote and, and we, we did a podcast and, and um, YouTube video on it. It's called the seven qualities of a great public speaker. You can use that as a checklist, just kind of go through those seven things. And if the people that you have as your, as your speakers, if they have every one of those seven things, or at least, you know, five of the seven, they're probably going to do pretty well. So it's a, it's a pretty good checklist to kind of work on. So um, the, the next thing that you want to do is after you train them in public speaking or get them to be good public speakers is you also want to develop their expertise. You know, when you want to, you want to make sure that, that they, they are experts on that topic. Now, in a lot of cases, the people that we have be our trainers, they're folks that are, subject matter experts already. They already know this stuff inside and out because they learned it. And we need, and because they know it so well, we need them to teach, but they're not teachers. And that's why we focus on the public speaking skills in the first part. But the second one is sometimes you might have a good speaker, but they're just not a subject matter expert on that topic yet. So you can actually train them on that though. So like, for instance, when, when, when you institute a train the trainer model or process within your organization, one of the key things to do is kind of start small. You want to use that fast food model that I mentioned um, on the, the previous episode. Um, when when I started the fast food place, it wasn't the manager that was teaching me. It was the the guy that was there like five months. <laughs> he was there five months before I was, and he was teaching me how to make lemonade and bread the chicken and stuff like that, right? And by because one of the things that occurs is that when we teach a process or when we teach something to somebody else, we learn it at a higher level. Um, this is, by the way, this is true in, in pretty much everything. Not, not only do I do public speaking, but I'm also, I also do a lot of jujitsu and martial arts, that kind of thing. Um, I'm, a, I'm a black belt in taekwondo and jujitsu. And one of the things I kind of learned through that process, which is really cool, is that it's very, very similar to what happens in public speaking or when I'm training other people to be speakers as well. People learn by doing, and then they also learn by teaching other people. And so when I train trainers, I give them, I teach them how to do something, let them master that component. And then the first thing I do is I have them teach it to somebody else. 
that's what we do in jujitsu, right? We go and we teach them the process, we teach them the moves. And then once they get to be a, you know, a blue belt or a, a, a purple belt, brown belt, then we, they had, they start teaching. They're teaching the, the younger people, the folks that are, that are, that are newer, they're teaching them how to do the process and they learn it at a higher level. Well, your folks will as well. So that's the technique that I would encourage you to do in order to develop these subject matter experts is let them master a component part of whatever it is that you're teaching and then bring them in, let them, let them teach part of that, that process over time, as your team members become more knowledgeable, as they become more skilled, then what you want to do is now increase their opportunity to teach. Um, by the way, this is the technique that I use with my instructors. And um, one of the things I'll do is I'll have a, a new instructor that's come into the, to the leaders Institute. I, I had first have them start just by watching me or another instructor, you know, that doesn't necessarily have to be me. And then, um, so I'm teaching a session, they get to, they watch and they get to participate, right? They, as if they were a class member. And then next I give them something that's kind of a, a fun activity so that they get some FaceTime in front of the, in front of a, a class. So I tr- teach them how to do it, let them practice with me and then get them up in, in front of a group. So they have a, a success. And then little by little, I give them more time in front of the group, right? It, it starts out as being five minutes in a two-day class <laughs> or 10 minutes in a two-day class. And then, you know, 15 or 20, and then, you know, 30 or 40, right? So, so basically every time I'm increasing their face time in front of the group, and in most cases, after they've developed the good presentation skills, once they get really good at speaking, the learning of the content is, pr- it happens fast. It, it happens so much faster if they're good presenters already. Um, the next thing that you need to really, really know and focus on is you have to audit both the subject matter expert, your trainers, the people who are doing the training for you when you're not there. And you, you so you want to audit them, make sure they're doing the right thing. And then you also want to audit the result of the train, the trainer model, this process, because um, if either one of those things is flawed, it can, it'll, it'll cause the whole thing to fall apart. For instance, if, if you've got really, really good speakers and they're doing exactly what you want them to do, but we're not getting the results, that means that the process that we started out with might be flawed. That's why we want to spend so much time in the beginning making sure that we tested it before we actually start to teach other people how to do it. And, and the opposite is true as well. We may have a really, really good process, but the people who are teaching it are getting off, they're getting off track. And as a result, it can, it can cause some, some challenges. So by the way, this is one of the really big mistakes that I, that I made early on when I, when I started fearless presentations and and the leaders Institute is that I I wasn't auditing my trainers classes. I, I assume that since they spent over a year developing this skill with me, you know, this, this teaching skill, and then they'd gone through the train the trainer process over and over and over and over that the skill would be permanent, right? Um, but if you recall the the telephone game that I talked about at the very beginning of the of the the last episode, I described the the first part of of the, of of what happens here, right? It's it's the it, it can cause a lot of problems. So, like for instance, um, when in the telephone game. When we when the person who is hearing hears something just slightly different than what the person said, and they make what I call a divergence. It's it's a little bit different. It's not huge, but a little bit different. And so when that gets retold, it gets distorted, and the next person distorts it more, and the next person distorts it more. It's what I call the what I it, I call it the anomaly snowball effect. It's 
I don't know. I, I I think I may have created that. I've never seen it anywhere else, but it's basically what 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 happens is that an anomaly occurs during the process, during the train the trainer process for this teacher, this new teacher who's still learning how to do this. There's an anomaly that occurs while that teaching is is occurring, and most of the time, it's something that's really really small. And, and it's out of the ordinary and it may never even happen again. This anomaly, this thing that happened is, you know, anything can happen when we're training. And uh, a lot of times if we make adjustments off our minor things, minor changes, then it can cause this, this snowball effect to occur. So what happens though, is because this, this um, teacher, this new trainer is not as skilled in the process, the trainer sees the anomaly as a problem with the way that the training session has occurred. It's an anomaly. It's told it's it's may not ever happen again, but they're like, oh God, I don't want to, I don't want that to ever happen again. So I'll make a change, right? So as a result, they changed the, the process just slightly. And then that change causes another challenge. <laughs> and that's where the snowball starts to occur. And then another adjustment is made. And every time a change is made that is outside of the original procedure, then the divergence gets bigger and bigger and bigger, just like a snowball does. So over time, that subject matter expert isn't really following the outline procedure from that they learned in the beginning at all. They're they're way, way, way off track. So so the 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 last and really most important thing about the train the trainer process is that once you've trained these these new presenters in presentation skills and once they become subject matter experts, you want to go back and audit both the way that they're teaching, make sure that they're still following the process, and then also audit the process because if you find that multiple subject matter experts, multiple trainers are having challenges with a specific component, that probably means that the process is flawed and now we can make changes in the process. So you have to audit both of those things and it's really, really important. So, hey, by the way, if you need help on any of this stuff, I mean, we, we do this stuff all the time. I'm, we, we do train the trainer processes and we help, we do train other trainers. Uh, so we're, we're, we are kind of the subject matter experts on this stuff. So if if you start to go through this process and you see some challenges occurring, call us up, go to fearlesspresentations.com, connect with me on LinkedIn, something like that. And, and uh, hopefully we can kind of help you, keep you from making some of the mistakes that, that I made early on in my career anyway. Um, so thanks a lot for being a part of Fearless Presentations. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, make sure and do that. Make sure and check out our YouTube channel as well. Lots of cool stuff coming on out on that. So subscribe and and ring the little red bell to make sure that you get all the, the notifications. And, and if you like the content, if you like what we're talking about here, make sure and leave me a, a really nice review on, on the, the podcast apps, Apple and, and all of the other podcast apps, because that really does help us kind of spread the word about the effectiveness of fearless presentations. Thanks y'all. We'll see you next week. Bye y'all.